The I Am Independent podcast with Loretta and Bianca. Stories, advice and discussions to resource, encourage and support independent music artists. So on the podcast this week, as you know, we love to give you some resources, some tips, some advice as well. But I think one of the most powerful things we can offer you is the stories of other artists so you can hear about the things that have worked for them, the things that haven't worked. And um, fortunately, we've got some great friends and, and colleagues who are hugely talented, who are also brave enough to tell us all of it, the good, the bad and the ugly of being an independent artist. And our guest this week is um, actually truly one of the most inspiring people I know. Um, I manage him, but he's also a friend, a very good friend, um, uh, hugely talented and has got way too many talents, it hardly seems fair. Um, He's a spoken word artist, he's a a rapper, he's a producer, um, he does everything creative. Can you dance, Josh? Incredibly well. Oh no, he can dance as well, he can cook. I've never seen I've never seen him dance, so that one might be out. But apart from that, he's pretty good at everything else, and uh, he's one of my favourite storytellers. Um, we have great conversations, great debates, just great conversing, basically. So um, high hopes for this one. No pressure, Josh. Uh, but welcome to the podcast, Joshua Luke Smith. Oh, thank you for having me. What a treat. <laughs> It's so great. This is like been something we've been wanting to do for ages. So it's just great to like, like get you in one place and to actually have a chat. So thanks for being here. I I genuinely love this podcast and I know so many people in my community who love it and and, uh, love everything that you do on Instagram and across socials and and you're, you're paving a way for independent artists to not feel alone, which I'm very grateful for. So honored. Thanks, Josh. Awesome. I mean, today, really, we just kind of want to find out more about you and your creative process um, and just to share as an independent artist. Now, obviously, uh, B and I know quite a bit of your story, but I thought it'd be really good to just go back to the beginning because I know you always talk about your childhood influences as an artist and particularly how you started making music was really key point in your life. So just tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how music came into that. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I've actually been thinking about it quite a bit in lockdown of just the whole kind of journey into why I am so in love with music and making music as I am. And was thinking about the early years. I, I was in uh, Pakistan. My, my family were uh, missionaries in Pakistan. And so I grew up in this really rural area in the north of Pakistan where it was genuinely hours and hours uh, worth of driving to any kind of town or, or, or city. So weekly, we would all climb into the, we called it the biscuit tin. And it was like this old Suzuki van. And uh, we'd, we'd all climb into this van and would drive for hours. I mean, nine hours was the nearest city. And um, oh. we'd get in the car and my dad would put the tapes on and we would just sit in the car and listen all the way through an album. I mean, you could just imagine how many albums. Next album, next album. And thankfully, my dad has great, like, great music takes. Like, when I think back retrospectively, so um, Tracy Chapman, uh, Cat Stevens, Paul Simon, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, um, Genesis, like, great songwriters, you know. And I grew up just sat listening to songwriters and storytellers for 
hours. And so I think from a young age, I just thought, I want to like I, I want to tell stories. I really want to tell stories because they honestly it sounds cliche, but they take you from one place to another. And for my family, like my parents were involved in difficult work. Like we lived in an area that was impoverished, and they were working with people at, in in the kind of the crucible of human suffering. Like it was very difficult. My mom was suffering with depression most of our time there, which she talks about you know now. And music for me was like was an oasis. Music was like an escape as well as the comfort. And I've grown up with this, with this sense of the arts and justice, making music and doing things that help people's actual practical lives almost entwined together. And that has been in my heart for as long as I honestly, as long as I can remember. So um, when I was probably 12 years old, I found Eminem, my, my sister bought uh, Stan. Remember that track? Yeah. It was, it was like Christmas number one at <laughs> some point, um, or, or it was huge around Christmas because I I got given a, a a shower radio and I remember like I would I wasn't allowed to listen to it but I would put on in the shower and like play Eminem and then my my sister bought a cassette and so my mom banned the cassette but <laughs> she left it on the side of the kitchen to like take back to HMV so I took it and stuck it in the tape deck and just devoured it and then and then my sister bought me the Fuji's uh the score record and honestly my teenage that was it that was the defining like attribute of my teenage years was hip-hop I just I and I found the same thing in hip-hop that I did in those folk artists and those storytellers it was just people that were sharing their life um and and telling stories about other people I've, I've always loved that and um yeah like it's just it's just always been such a huge part of my life and what about when you started to make music yourself? Yeah, um, I think I think for me it probably started as a process of kind of emulating what I was hearing. I started writing, I started writing poems. I'm laughing because Karen and I talked about this yesterday. Um, I, st- I wrote my first poem when I was nine, and Laura, I don't know if you remember the conversation that we had. The goat. Uh, it was having lunch with Cat. Do you remember about my first poem? About the goat. Um, about a goat. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Bianca was there, weren't you? Bianca was there, yeah, Bianca was there. Oh, I can't remember. How can you not remember? <laughs> Refresh me, guys. Refresh me. Well, I, my first poem, uh, was I was nine years old. And um, the poem, I'll, I'll recite it to you. This is exclusive. <laughs> I've, I don't know if I've ever performed this live on air before, but this is how the poem goes. Nine years old. I had a friend, a very good friend, who was loyal to me for years on end. But one, ter- <laughs> but one terrible night, he proved my thoughts wrong. He had left. Yes, he had gone. Um, and then pause, last line. Oh, why did you leave me, loyal friend? Right? So the last line is like rich with, with satire and, uh, and sarcasm. It's paradoxical. Why did you leave me, loyal friend? And <laughs> honestly, like my mom's got it up in the house. My grandma's got it in the house, like printed out Josh's first poem. But none of us were like... I, why did I write that poem? And then I remembered. I was telling this story. I was telling it, it was you guys. That's so crazy. I was literally telling Kara this story yesterday. I, w- I was talking about this fact that in, in Pakistan I had a pet goat because you couldn't have pet dogs because they were like feral. So I, I had a pet goat. And Actually. one year when we came back to England for a break, I gave the goat to our neighbors to look after. Little did I know that I gave them the goat over the festival of Eid. So when I came back 
and I've yeah. scurried around the garden looking for the goat, went to the little hatch where he lived and, you know, tried to find my goat, but I couldn't find him. Turned out they had received the goat as a, as a gift for Eve, so I'd eaten him. I told you guys that story. Cat, Cat was there. I think it was Cat when, bruv, that was your goat talking to you in your subconscious. You were the loyal friend that left. And I lost it. I remember I like stood up in the restaurant like like some Freudian psychology of like oh my goodness. She's like some inner healing was happening in there. <laughs> deep psychological breakthrough in my life. <laughs> so yeah, I should start like leading poetry retreats and and like you know, you can like get your subconscious yeah, in your poems. <laughs> Process through art. All the things yeah. that you knew, all of that. That's amazing. So that was your first piece. That was my first poem. That You started deep then. You started, started way in. I know. I started deep. And, I, and until recently, I didn't, know, I didn't know why. But it turns out there was some trauma that I had to get relieved. <laughs> and but interestingly that you, you started, you didn't really realise that potentially, even though we're joking, you might have been processing. But... <laughs> <laughs> but that's how you but that's how your art seems to have continued yeah and and as weird as it is talking about it i'm like the more i talk about it the more i'm convinced of like yeah maybe yeah like maybe yeah. that's what happened because i um you know yeah i've been asked like a few times like why you write very intense about quite intense things you know and and i do and i think i think poetry and music is like is this kind of part of my expression that does deal with the darkness in my life <laughs> like to, to be honest um i really do process a lot through what i write and um again like listening to hip-hop and listening to folk music that's where you that they, they, those are my teachers you know what i mean tracy chapman i remember hearing um what's the song called uh through the walls last night i heard screaming you know i remember hearing that probably eight years old and just like haunted she just tells a story about domestic abuse um uh no use in calling the police you know because what will they do when they get here and it was like eight years old like there's no happy ending it's just a story about the hu the reality of human experience and and i think that moved me at such a young age that i i've just sort of lived in that world you know like i want to yeah i want to talk about the gaps i want to talk about the stuff that really gets to the heart of matter you know mm. What's the difference between like um, poetry and rap for you? Um, the, to be honest, there isn't a big difference. Like I think in terms of the genres, we could we could break it down. But for me, it does the same thing in my soul. Like what I'm looking for, I'm looking really for two main things. I'm looking for a story of sorts. Like I, t tell me a story. I'm not talking about like once upon a time. Just tell me, tell take me somewhere. And then also like do something majestic with words, you know, like we have got this, you know, we've got the same amount of words, the same rhyming schemes. What could you do with it? Like, could you, could you, you know, I love it when you hear someone flow and then I get to a, a line and you hear a rhyme, you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure I know roughly where you're going to go next. And they take it somewhere else. Like, and, and that's the skill for me. That's why I love the kind of, you know, I love the conscious area of hip-hop i love common i love talib kwali i love I, I love the guys that just just slave over their lyricism um and and poets like whatever you want to call it spoken word artists slam poets i mean 
you you got nothing to hide behind but your lyricism. Mm-hmm. So you got to bring it every time. You I don't want to say it, honestly. I don't want to say a rhyme that when I say the, the the kind of the launch line, I don't want you to have already guessed what I'm saying next. I really don't. I really want to come with a second line that you're like, like whether it's the words or the meaning, just uh, that's that's what really intrigues me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. And I know you're, I mean, you've already spoke about your dad's musical collection being a big influence, but he is kind of the one who got you started in production as well, right? With your, yeah. your music room. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He um, he bought like a MIDI sampler, like old school, like MIDI sampler and a four track, and they had that. He's like demo beats on them, like you know. And I would just like, yeah, just play around with it all day and and rap over it. And I remember I went through this like super two pack period, and I would just like rap two pack over these like naff little beats, and and then um. Oh, uh, it's all it's all down to my dad. Then he he bought me like like um, sonar cakewalk. Uh, th- I, there will be some listeners listeners be like ah sonar, you know, <laughs> like before um, you know the days of Logic, obviously, and taught me the guitar and and bought me a MIDI keyboard. I, I've got um, I call it the triple threat. I've got ADHD, dyslexia, and dyspraxia, and so school was was a nightmare for me. And um, yeah, basically, I would just come back home from school and make music constantly. Yeah. So it clearly has been like a big part of how you process thoughts, emotions and, and, and your life. When at what point did you think this is what I want to do with my life? This is this isn't, you know, an, an outlet for frustration. It's not a sideline hobby. This is this is what I, I want to do. Um, was there a specific moment that that happened? Honestly, no, like. Uh, there has never been a plan B. Like I can, I have had no other option in my mind. Like I've never thought about doing anything else than this ever. Like I've never, I've never had, I mean, you know, I've had loads of other sideline dreams, which some of which I'm doing now, but there's never been one where this was like the thing on the side. It's always, it's always been this. Have you ever had doubt about it? Like when it's not working or just any kind of doubt that you're, not doing what you there could be something else that you should be doing or anything like i i battled out all the time yeah, no I for sure I think, constantly yeah i think i think i have to adapt and pivot my expectations of what this is you know like i thought i was gonna i thought i was gonna be whatever i don't know making more money playing bigger stages you know and and my what's happened over time is i've, I've begun to receive a much more measured healthy realistic definition of what it means to do this to be an artist um but the doubt has never been about whether i do or not that the, there's been a pivoting on what it looks like i i said to my wife not longer i was like you know i'm gonna be i'm gonna be 70s like gray beard doing this you know like what it'll look different like maybe i'll be reading from a poetry book then but I'm gonna be doing this and he was like yeah like it the, in one way or another it, it's all this is this is who, who what I do yeah that's really really cool that's really interesting about pivoting like it's just about adapting to just life and actually being able to live a healthy life whilst yeah. doing the thing you love and not holding on to a certain expectation because that's when it becomes unhealthy and you're trying to just force the door open but actually the pivoting is actually really 
yeah that's really interesting and really healthy and um, also i wanted to ask you um has you know you said you 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 have adhd dyslexia dyspraxia how's that impacted your art has it or not or did you find that your art that's where you found yourself blooming that even with those challenges or yeah it's really interesting i i uh, <clears throat> i realized basically in recent years i've realized that people don't remember words like I, I don't write my words down. I, I write them all in my head. And I, I literally, it, only in recent years, have become, because I get asked about it all the time, I heard that you don't write your words down. And I'm like, no, do you? Yeah, oh, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't remember words if I write them down. I can't read my writing if I write it down. I hate typing. I hate typing. Like, my, my fingers literally freeze. Like, I just, but I can just go all day in my head. And so I've realized that's, that's a part of the, like, disability or whatever you know what i mean i can't do that but i can do that this muscle doesn't work well but that muscle does and mm. you know i've got um attention you know adhd i'm an enneagram seven and i think the more i learn about a seven the more i'm like i'm a seven like i have monkey brain <laughs> like i have a million ideas and i'm moving constantly i've got you know what i mean and and so like you just said i'm learning what are the healthiest version of me looks like integrated but with that capacity Loretta is my manager so she knows I struggle not to be working on a project to be coming up with a new idea you know I I'm, co I'm constantly thinking about what I could do next hey and at the same time wondering how healthy that is and at times uh, I'm right now you know um shout out to your husband Kenny Bianca you know like I'm on a journey now of like okay how much of my productivity and desire to be um prolific comes out of an inability to not do that stuff and and i'm on that journey as well and i i think if that's a healthy journey for an artist to be on i don't want to i don't want to create because i'm chasing something or because something's chasing me you know i want to i want to create because i just i love it and it's fulfillment what would you say is your definition of success for you as an artist and how has that changed if it has with that pivoting uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't really have a straight answer to that. I've, I've I feel like it's evolving. Um, my definition, my de okay. I guess the phrase I'm looking looking at now is fulfillment. So my definition of success is is fulfillment is is being fulfilled. And right now that looks like creating honest work, like just creating honest work that feels authentic to who I am and work that serves society, you know, like that's where I'm at right now. That feels good. That feels like successful. Yeah. Um, how do you, just talking about kind of creativity there, um, how do you go about commenting on culture and things that are happening? Are there places that you feel like you don't want to go with your art or do you feel like it's part of your mission to talk about whatever means something to you? I uh, yeah, that's a really good question. I don't want to use words that I haven't paid for, so I don't want to talk about things that I haven't, I haven't got the authority to speak on. Now that doesn't mean that there's not things I can't speak out about, um, but I don't want to appear as an authority on something that I haven't paid, you know, to speak about. Therefore, the opposite is true. You know, I look at what I paid for, what I've been through, what what is my experience. And that I'm going to speak about, you know, and that I'm going to, I have this sort of image in my mind often with like, um, 
with conversation and and speaking in a part of culture like can i jump in but at the shallow end right and i'm in and i have i go i want to challenge this i want to throw this out there but then if you ask me a question that really requires me to go a few feet deeper i can't you know i don't think society needs that like i don't think we need anyone else having a really strong shallow opinion but we do need people of depth like we do need people that can say do you know what i can't speak to that i, I can't speak to that no i actually don't have an opinion on that but get me talking about that and I'll, i'll go 40 fathoms deep you know i'll go right down to the bedrock of the ocean and i'll really speak and i and i could really actually bring some change to it and so there's things in my life that i feel like hey i could go deep on that i could speak about that and then there's things certain things i'm like i'm just i'm young like you know like i i've got mentors and elders that i think yeah you talk about that i don't i can't talk about it just yet you know <laughs> If you enjoy the I am independent podcast and you like our resources that we share on YouTube and Instagram, you might want to sign up for our next I am independent bootcamp. It's an online four-week workshop course where we'll be covering who you are as an artist and knowing your why, music admin including PRS and PPL, touring, gigging and getting paid, marketing, PR and social media too. There's also an opportunity to connect with other independent artists and ask any questions that you've been wanting to know more about. Simply visit our website iamindependent.co.uk or any of our social media pages at we are independent artists for more details. The next course starts on July the 2nd. Um I wanted to ask about um how you now you know that you're this is what you want to do or you just kind of started creating and that's what you're going to do with your life. How did you get to a place where you, it's a job like it's professional? How was what was your progression to that? Um did you just start putting out music or you know labelly things? Man, how how did you progress? Yeah, that's a pretty good question. I feel like um I'm not a little bit abstract and I thought I would make it more like practical, but I have thought I think early on the difference between like work and a job. Like there's a job that you get paid from and then there's the work that you have to do, you know. And some of the thing with like music, like this is my work, you know. Like the work of Joshua Luke Smith is to be a poet and to be an artist. That's my work. That is like my that's what I'm here to do in the world. And it might become my job, might not, but it's still my work, you know. And and there's some I've had quite the conversations with people, especially at the end of last year, the number of conversations around that with people where I was like if you don't treat this like your work, it won't become your job, you know? Like If this isn't is is this what you're here to do? Like you here to are you here to work? Are you here to like labor? It's the whole idea of like um you know the the divine commissioned the human to work before anything went wrong, you know? There was a divine call for humanity to work and labor the fields, not as a punishment. It's just it's good. It's good to work. And so I always, I really associate with that of like my work is as an artist and at times more than ever it looks like my job like Sometimes we get paid and sometimes we don't. Um there is something about Lorette knows that more than anyone. Um 
but then there is like the more you work like the more that you are actually like this is what i'm here to do the more opportunity that you create for this to become your job like it is really hard you guys have talked about this on the podcast and in what you do frequently it's just, it's really tough like it is not easy to make a living being an artist um it's not easy and i think unless you are really consistent in what you do and diversifying in what you do it's very difficult um so for me it started with just releasing eps and i have been signed that to be honest didn't make a huge deal a huge deal of difference in terms of like it becoming my job like it wasn't a case of oh cool i got a deal i could put my feet up and the money's coming in every month now um or the advance is like big enough that you know i don't have to do other stuff to earn a living it was kind of the opposite like it was kind of like all right so we're in debt now you know like to be honest um and now like the the money that i make from being an artist now is is pretty diverse each month like it looks like different things doesn't like one stream of income um i think building something bigger than yourself is really important um like building whether it's like a brand or a label or whatever it is building something is bigger than just you because that means you can diversify diversify your product without watering down your essence so you can like you you can produce different things without it being like what's Josh doing now you know what i mean so i i've got um orphan no more is an independent label i mean it's really a creative community and there's a whole lot of my artistic expression that goes through that but it's not just Joshua Luke Smith. It's all for no more. Then I've got um, the pilgrimage, which is the pilgrimage is a platform I created to like kind of give a bit more of who I am, a bit more of like the spiritual um, inquisitive sort of nature in my work that's over there. And I've released clothing through that and that brings in money. And do you know what I mean? So I feel like that, that for me has been a win. Um, so if you go on my Instagram, you don't see all that stuff. You actually just see kind of a, a clearer message, but that is all happening and that is all creating more opportunities to make money as well as just getting, you know, so what do you do? I'm a poet. You get paid to be a poet? Uh, <laughs> well, not directly all the time, but like, <laughs> that's what I am. That's my work. I'm a poet. <laughs> that's cool. Cause it's like, you always, as you said before, you're going to be 17. You're going to still be doing your work which is like it comes from what you feel like purpose is to you it comes from like um what comes out of your heart and stuff like that which is your poetry which is um your writing um Mm. but you're always going to be doing your work whether or not you get paid from it and it'd be amazing if there was consistently you could um earn a living from it but in the absence of that you're finding other ways because you're doing this to other jobs that also creative, but the pressure isn't on your work, your artistry in this particular strain. Yeah, absolutely. Like how how many stories have you heard of someone who um, did a different job to what they were ultimately known as, you know, like before Walt Disney was Walt Disney, he was working in something fairly mundane, as was most people, right? Unless you were like a teen star, most people did something pretty normal before they did what they did, what they got known for. But it was still them, and it was still all their genius and still all their creativity. So now, like when I, I never ask people, what do you do? 
I never ask people that question. Like, if I'm sat on a plane, if I'm meeting someone the first time, my question is always, describe to me a day in your life. You know, because that's actually that I can answer that question and, and I can, you know, I can tell you I earn money. That's so boring. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would rather tell you like my passion. And if I say something, well, what's the day in your life um, where I get up and I have this morning rhythm? Oh, that's interesting. And then I go and do my nine to five. What's that? Oh, I work at Tesco's. Oh, cool. Do you enjoy it? Yeah, kind of. Then what happens when you get back? Oh, when I when I get back, that's when I I, I set up the, the the canvas. Oh, really? Yeah, and I pull the paints out. You know what I mean? So you're talking like, oh, so you're an artist? Well, I work at Tesco's, but you're an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. You know what I mean? And you've given them the opportunity to say that they're an artist rather than they stack shelves. And I think they might never become known for making their art. Who knows? They could have been good or as good as Van Gogh, and we just didn't ever get to find out. You know. That's why I think this sort of differentiation between job and work is kind of interesting because mm-hmm. it's like we all have work to do and getting paid for it doesn't validate it, mm-hmm. you know? That's so yeah. such an important message for the independent artist because it's one of the things that from the start we've wanted to give artists permission to call themselves an artist, to allow themselves, yeah. you know, the... I just remember so clearly being, you know, when somebody asks you at a party what you do and like, I'm not sure how to answer that, because especially um, because many independent artists do so many different things because they're trying to do their art. So which yeah. of those do you pick and which and often the the things that I got the least money for were the things I was most passionate about and the money things yes. were, were to serve that, I guess. But I wanted to ask you about... Um, Orphan No More, the creative community you spoke about, because I know that is, you put so much of yourself into that, you're really passionate about it, you invest in a lot of other artists through that. How have you managed to, and even with these other things you've spoken about, um, or have you, do you even feel a need to balance so that your art um, doesn't get swallowed up in all that, despite what you've explained about them, all of them being you and having the essence of you? in terms of pushing yourself as an artist, how have you been able to balance investing in others and in other things um, so that, you know, it doesn't become swamped in, in, in the other things? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I, I think, again, still figuring it out, um, but I think it, I often think about like balance. When I, when I hear the word balance, I'm, I don't have good balance. It's a part of like being dyspraxic. I remember when I did this test of dyspraxia, you had to balance. Like, can you stand on like one leg? You know, and and when I hear balance, I what I hear is um, it's difficult. It's difficult to balance stuff. So this is just my internal the way that I see it. So it comes down to like priorities. I if it bal- if I was trying to balance it all, I would have burned out a long time ago. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I kind of stack it. though. it's prioritized. And the way that I see it is, at the end of my life, I I want to become someone who has helped people. I want to look back at my life and think I've helped people. And as much as I, I I love being an artist, as much as everything I've said, I stand by. It can be very self indulgent, and it can be very like self involved. And I know it because I know artists. 
who are very self-involved and they put out great work, but you get a coffee with them and it's like, oh, so we're just going to talk about you. Like, and we're just going to, you know what I mean? It's like, and then I met artists that aren't self-involved. And the common denominator is one builds something bigger than them and one doesn't, you know, and one is so focused on prioritizing themselves that yet they might have a much more like affluent career, but the likelihood is it takes a lot more time for them to like see anything beyond themselves. So I prioritized community in my life as a core value. I'm building community. I'm building in other people. I'm supporting others creatively and pastorally because I like what it produces in me. I like, I like who I become as a result of it, which again, sounds selfish, but it's just kind of like, that's how, you know, I'm going to use that means as a way of like my own formation and development. Um, now that like the, the, the tension of that is, yeah, like if I look at my twenties, I probably did prioritized my career much less than other my peers did, you know, and, and perhaps that means now they have more success than I have. Um, but I'm in the, I'm in a really special position where I can say I regret nothing, you know, and I love that. I, I'm in a position where I think, cool, this is where I am. I love my life and I love seeing other people win. And I'm really, I want to achieve, I want to achieve more, but I don't want to achieve more at the expense of like becoming, I don't know, just sort of self-involved, you know? Yeah. That's so cool. And even just you saying about um, core value of community and helping others. But then you also said that through your music, you you want to help people. And I'm sure like your the focus that you put on um, Orphan No More and the label and other people's careers actually somehow builds, continues to build that sort of fire of being outward looking but that has to inform your art like even just the whole act of doing that has to inform the art you create yes. so it, it it kind of it informs all of your core values do you know what I mean yes. so yeah definitely definitely in a way that you're not maybe not as conscious of it's it's like no, doing true. something to your yeah. artistry yeah that's true I, I heard um I read I read recently it was like a paragraph in a book it, it wasn't the main point of the thing that really stuck to me about the difference between networking and having community and I quite enjoy networking like Loretta and I kind of joke about it like you know if there's if there's sort of a yeah like yeah uh, <laughs> but you know a room full of people and it's kind of like oh you know I, I don't mind I'm like yeah let's let's connect but networking is so ba- it's so transactional and it's so based upon like this is who I am this is who you are cool let's do something you know it gets tiresome and community is really humbling and community is very um if you the if you have a really good community, it becomes impossible to see yourself continually through the eyes of your fans. You see yourself through the eyes of your friends, and that is a really good thing for an artist. It's like <laughs> I am not Joshua Luke Smith through the eyes of the guy who just DM'd me and said your music's changed my life. That's not actually who I am. I am I am Joshua Luke Smith through the eyes of Dom, who had to call me up and say, Josh, I like you let me down you know like that's who i am and that that is a constant like check for me and it's yeah it's it's difficult and it takes time but it's it's definitely it's helpful it's helpful so how did you start all for no more and um 
kind of talk about if anyone else has that in them to create community to create an independent label um what would you what would you say if someone's sitting in front of you wanted to do that so yeah how did it start for you and how would you advise anyone wanting to walk that path yeah i i started like it's funny isn't it how like quickly you could kind of feel old it's, it's like yeah it's weird i'm like whoa i started that at the same time as like online distribution was just starting where you could do you know where you could just be like i can upload this now that had just like started so for me i felt like i don't know if this is like an enneagram seven thing i talked to kenny about it but i think i was kind of like i found this thing and i'm gonna bring everyone with me and <laughs> it doesn't matter you could just google it i found it and <laughs> i think i i uh, i love the idea of releasing music and then then being able to help other people release it and it was with my best friends and I love gathering people and I love, um, I love seeing people's dreams come true as much as I can play a part in that. And so I, I think if I would, I would say don't start it if, if you're not in it for the long run. I think that is what I'd say because these are real people's lives and artists are sensitive people and our art and our music means everything to us. So don't start this if you don't mean to continue it. You know, often the most like eight years old now and it's the same people. There's been no one that's like left or whatever. And that's because it's relational. And so I, I think I think like start something. I mean, look, you, often the more isn't a label because it's not a business. You know, it is a community. And so it is a little different. I can't really speak so much just to the pragmatic business aspect. But in terms of building like a community and building a creative kind of collective i would say really think about it really think about if you want to do something that requires being in the people business you know what i mean like personal relational pastoral that kind of stuff and if and if you feel it then yeah then 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 just start with one friend and say hey why don't we create something together what would that look like and is that how you you gathered people around you like because you seem to be i loretta like you're a gatherer you know you're able to do that and that's not always the easiest for people Loretta says that I I've got that thing but I don't see that in myself I don't feel that I'm able to I don't know attract people around something you know and is that do you feel like that's just something that comes naturally to you or is there an intentionality that you you go about that with well that's a really good question I don't know um I think it's, I think it is quite subconscious. I don't think I think I don't think of it in a kind of corporate sense. You know what I mean? Like I want to build something like corporate. I think I think the moments I love are like the moments the sort of you know you're like all sat around a fire drinking whiskey, singing songs, telling stories. Like that's kind of like that's I just want to get there. You know, like I just want to create that moment. And there's loads of other moments we have to gather and do stuff in between. But that's where I'm going. Like, I want a moment where, like, we're all sat around together sharing stories and just glad to have one another. And I have I have those sort of – I'm not answering your question practically at all, I'm sorry. But I have this sort of, like – it's almost like a gut feeling of it's so good to be together, like, ultimately. And music is such a beautiful way of bringing us together. Um, but you can't have that without all the stuff in between. Like you can't have that without really, you know, journeying with people and building something with grit. Like you've got to have that as well. Um, Loretta, I've forgotten his name. Um, the guy who started Artisan, is it Steve? Steve Cole. 
Yeah. He, he said, um, it was something, I'm going to paraphrase, it was something along the lines of, you know, everyone, everyone like wants to start a movement, you know, but when you think of a movement, you're thinking of something that is moving. It's like, it's like we're in the movement, you know, and most of the time it's like just pushing a boulder slowly forward, like, uh, and it might get some momentum. That's what most of the time it's like. And then, then sometimes you get momentum and it's like, oh my goodness, this is rolling. This is amazing. And, um, so it does take effort. I, I, I see what you guys do and I, and I say, there's no way that you're not a gatherer, Bianca. And, you know, I, that's I know that's I true, that, but I'm like, look, look what you've done. You know, <laughs> you've gathered artists across the world, you know, to like this common place of, I remember when you first started and you had the t-shirt, I'm independent, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, th- I remember thinking about it at the time of like people wear that t-shirt and it's not reactionary. It's not like I'm not major. You know, or like I am independent is like a manifesto of something you're choosing, not because, not because you're not choosing the other thing. Like it's like when people say, "Oh, that's so out of the box." It's like, no, no, I'm not the the box. I'm not even think there isn't a box. Like I'm not doing this in context to that. I'm just doing this, and yeah. like, to say I'm independent is like, this is who I am. It's not. It's not a reaction. And um, I remember just seeing everyone with the with the t-shirts on. And how many years ago was that? Is it like do you were doing this like two, two, three no, years? Two, three, three years, years ago. Yeah. Two, two, yeah, maybe yeah, three. Two, three years. About two. Yeah. yeah. And and you're you're here now doing it, and it's it's gathered like momentum. And uh, yeah, so all, all I'm saying is I've seen you do it without a doubt. Thanks, bro. That <laughs> 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 we don't see ourselves doing. So I, I accept yeah. it. Yeah. I think some it's part of it with or for no more and and what I see in Bianca is I think it's that like attracts like and I think um that sometimes it's not actually being a gatherer it's being a magnet whether you realize it or not and I think you do have that Josh and I think one of the amazing things about the or for no more artists is there's somebody who's like every skill in terms of delivering some music is covered within your community I remember when I first met you guys and I was and you're like oh yeah we, we've got somebody who could do that oh we've got somebody who could do that it's like what is in the water in Bath because um, there's just all these creative people all in one place but and just talk about how that is so important for the independent artist to have because I know you've all you swap skills with each other you know you you pay when you can and you value each other's work but it's you know, in the absence of having a major label, then having highly skilled, and it is highly skilled, these aren't people who are just, you know, amateurs at it, um, it means that all of the artists deliver great music videos, great production, um, great logos, great um, merchandise, all of everything you all do is for such a high uh, standard. Um, I just wonder if you could speak into that and how, other independent artists can perhaps create that around themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was thinking about this again recently, um, chatting to an artist who was just talking about building a team. And um, when, I, when I think of team, I think of like the traditional sense of like a label or manager, a booking agent, that kind of thing. But I, I feel like, yeah, the new team is like an agency. Like you're basically building um, like, your videographer is 
more important than your booking agent. You know what I mean? Like, if you can, if you can, and and the beauty of it, the the reason Off No More works so well is from a very like early stage where people actually none we weren't all that good. Like we were all okay, and we all kind of just very subtly were like, "I'll give you my best." I'll give you my best. And everyone said that. And then every project got better and better. And then honestly, now I, I look around the team and it is the best. Like, you know what I mean? Like the people who are doing what they do outside of Wolf No More, like killing it. And I, what excites me for us now is saying, all right, there's someone in your work or at your church or whatever who's doing video, who's just starting. And it goes back to the job work thing. They don't do this for their job, but ask them what a day in their life is. Are they going out on Saturday mornings and just filming Sunrise and then putting it up on their Instagram? Like, yeah, you know that person. They're critical to you, you know? Like, they are critical to what you're going to do next. And I, I've i had the same guy take my photos and do the video. And, and what I've seen in indie artists that have signed or done a deal and really, like, beautifully kept their brand in place, it's because they've kept their team in place. It's like... No, no, that's the guy that does my video. Yeah, but now we have a budget of 50 grand for a video shoot. Awesome, pay him. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he's good enough. Pay him. I can't wait to be able to do that. And so, yeah, I think I think for independent artists, like, your creative team is just so important. And, Lorraine, you kind of uh, mentioned it, but you can't build a great team without a great culture. So you as an independent artist, you're kind of going to be sort of, in, in some respects, the team leader, you know, at some point or another. So you set the culture and is it a great culture? Like, is it great to be a part of your team? Like, you know, is it just like, yeah, like I love working with that person because the culture I'm valued, I'm supported, I'm thought about, I'm encouraged. Do you know what I mean? Like that is what forges a great team. The, the, the midweek calls, like, I know you're editing my video at the moment. I just wanted to check in if you're okay. You're like, you know, I know this isn't the only thing on your plate. Like, how are you doing? You know, just just really keeping connected. Um, that really excites me about this age of like making music. Um, is a team that's just multi-disciplined discipline team in the arts. That's so good. That is so good. My gosh, yeah. That I'm just like I've got so much in my head. I've got so much in my head. <laughs> that's so so good. Um, I wanted to just you mentioned being signed. Want to talk about that a little bit? Um, what do I want to ask about that? Want to ask about what your experience was, um, how you feel about being independent now, um, would you choose being signed down the line, under what conditions? Mm. Yeah, I, I, like to summarise the experience, there's a lot that I'm grateful for, um, you know, it afforded me a lot of opportunities that I didn't, wouldn't have had without it, I got to tour America. I got to release music um, and have songs produced by producers that I wouldn't have been able to afford, you know. Um, and, and, and you know, I, I, it definitely raised my profile. It, it didn't work out and um, I, I don't have any kind of regrets about it. I think Loretta and I talk about it often of like, we learn so much, you know, and I know it's cliche, but so you guys talk about it. Like, it genuinely is a journey, isn't it? Like, so where I'm at now, I, it's difficult. Like I, I love being independent because I love being able to put out what I want to put out and make what I want to make. Um, I do, I do really hope to have more budget to do what I do. This is it. 
Do you know what I mean? Like that, I really do. I would like to have a budget. To, I've got, I've, you know, I've been working on an album and the conversation we're having at the moment is like, I, I think this is a really good album. Like, I think it's the best thing I've made. I think it's better than anything else I've made just because it's it, it's that measure of success that I was talking about before. I think it's really honest and I think it really serves people. And I would like it to do more than my previous records have. And, you know, it does take money, right? Like, if you have... Well, if you don't have money, you can do loads of things that like you guys talk about. There's so much that you can do. But if you do have the 20K marketing advance, well, then you can do a lot more with it. So I, I, I don't think, I can't imagine ever signing a record deal again. I can't imagine doing that. I do feel attracted to sort of deals, licensing deals, distribution deals, deals that still put the creative control in my hands, but also, you know, give up a percentage for a investment, um, you know, but but if someone came along, I don't know, if someone came along, uh, a businesswoman, and said, hey, I would like to give you 50K for your next record. I have no understanding of the music in- industry. Um, well, could this help you? I would say absolutely, and I think I could do more with that 50K than a lot of labels could if they offered me 50K because I have a great team. You know, so I don't feel like really it does. Cut. I would love an investment. Uh, just speaking to anyone listening to this, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, like what what I would love is investment into what I do. And if you you know if you look at like the the artists of old, you know, a lot of artists would have would have patrons like people that would commit. so. When I think about a record label, I honestly don't think oh, I need a record label because they know something that we don't like. I think that day's long gone, long gone. And being signed only confirmed it, you know. Um, I don't want to say this. I don't want to appear arrogant. I'm going to, I, I, but I do want to say this as an encouragement to independent artists. I often find that I'm the most creative person in the room, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think that as an independent artist, that's like your secret weapon. Mm-hmm. Like I've got, as, as creators, we're consultants because we're problem solvers we we solve problems with creative solutions and so if you put me in a room with like the ceo of a record label i'm pretty confident that i could come up with a better strategy just because i spend all day every day thinking creatively and if you don't then i've just had a few more days than you have to think creatively and so if you were to invest the money into me into my team i feel like we could do something really special with it um and there's still, I mean, there's still obviously loops, hoops you got to jump through, spaces, marketing spaces that the record labels own, like real estate. But I don't think that is make or break anymore. Well, we've got about um, maybe 10 minutes left. And I'd love, Josh, for you to speak into um, about what helps you to keep consistent. Because I think that's the thing, like... Um, some people will know that you were signed before and then that now you're not. A lot of people won't know that because you have consistently put music out. Um, you've consistently done the other things you've talked about with Orphan No More and with um, Pilgrimage as well. Um, and does that is that consistency work for you? I mean, I'm saying this slightly knowing the answer <laughs> to the question. Um, I would love to know how you stay consistent, how you are so prolific. I think it's to do with who you are a little bit, naturally. But, like, you be out here creating every day. And, Mm -hmm. 
I need to know how that works. Well, I think it, uh, part of it does come down to the, the work job idea where I wake up every morning with work to do. You know, it's just there isn't a day go by where there isn't work to do. And I have a to-do list of work that is as, you know, if not more important, sacred than anything else. And um, and, it, I, and I, I have to get it done. It's really important that I get it done. It's really important that I record those podcasts and write that poem and work on that track. Um, it's what I'm here to do. And so it's a value. And I think, you know, it comes down to like, I don't want to make it too sort of clinical, but it does come down to like productivity and um, just intentionality and discipline. I'm about to have a baby. I'm going to learn. I'm, uh, you know, I've, I've had the luxury of having, my, I've, I've had my whole 20s without a baby so I, I, I that, oh, that's all I know I'm sure it's going to change but yeah like that's an encouragement I say to a lot of artists like please treat this like it's important do you know what I mean like because we're not going to value it like it's important unless you treat it like it is you know like why do, why do you expect that we value this if you don't value it in a way that shows us that we should do you know what I mean mm. and um and some people um, don't want to make money, and that's fine. And so you're probably your output's going to be different. Um, and some people don't really care how much they do or don't do. So output's going to be different. For me, to be really honest, I would like to do this full time. I'd like to get paid from this. I'd rather not have to do too many jobs. And also, I do look at my life with I've got quite a lot of work to do. And it, that isn't in the absence of rest at all. I love rest. I love, work hard, play hard. You know. But there is work to do. And it's that mixtape is really important. Why? It's what I'm here to do. But it's just songs and raps. Yeah. But no one else can say them. I, only I can write those. I have to do it. But you haven't, you've only got have this many Spotify monthly listeners. I know. Isn't that amazing? Those people are going to hear it. I have to do this. They're waiting. You know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of mentality. And, and then if that all else fails, it's like, I get to do this. It's a gift. You know what I mean? Like, wow. people want to have, you know, your gift. They really, they wish they did. But you do have it. So don't squander it. You know what I mean? Like, use it. And I'm not saying that in a, like, weird, judgmental, condemning way at all. At all. Yeah. I, just, I just feel like sometimes there can be sense of why don't people value what I do and I just think often the answer is because I don't think you do you know that is wow that is that is such an incredible answer that spoke to me personally yeah I'll be unpacking that a lot um and it made me think about a quote that I heard recently and I wanted to do I'm going to do a little kind of stories thing for I'm independent for it or something just a little chat but I heard someone say that some things that are important aren't popular and some things that are popular aren't important. And mm. sometimes the great things happen where something that's important also becomes something that's popular. Do you know what I mean? And oh, I feel wow. like what yourself, I think Brooke Frazier said it, or someone, somebody, I switched on someone's story. And I, and I feel like that's what you're saying. Like you value what you do as important regardless of how popular it's ever going to be. And yes. it may become popular, but it's not important that it does yeah, yeah, it's important yeah, really that good. it's important because yeah. it's important you know yeah, yeah that's really good you, yeah that's a good way of putting it like i would love it if i was listening to this right now i would just to say what i do is so important mm. and then i dare you to say it to someone this week of like i've just been thinking about this song i'm writing oh yeah how's it going it's just dawned on me how important it is that i finish it so important 
such an important thing to finish this song. Why? It just is, you know what I mean? Like that breaks something in your mind, mm. in your mindset. Mm. Yeah, it does. It's powerful. Can I ask a practical question quickly? Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm just talking. No, I, just... I was just going to say that it's many artists don't feel that their art's important. In fact, they feel embarrassed perhaps that they're, I'm yeah. still trying to make this work. I'm still, oh, you're still writing those songs. So I think yeah. that we should set, you know, our listeners at that challenge because I think that would break something in a lot of people. I think I feel like it's not important because they don't feel like they're good enough at it as well. I think there's that thing that's happening. Um, and maybe as they become more skilled and more confident in their growth that actually they might feel like it's a little bit more important. But I wanted to ask a quick question. Um, practically, you you know, how do you, what is your setup at home? Like, um, if an artist is like, I want to be cracking on, what do I need to just, you know, to make my music um, on a basic level and just to keep my productivity high? What are the basic things that you have at home that help you to do that? Yeah, super simple. I mean, the most expensive thing that I've got is a MacBook. Um, and then I've got a 50 pound audio interface and I've got a uh, 70 pound MIDI keyboard. I'm using more of an expensive mic right now, but I've got another 20 pound mic. Um, so, you know, without the MacBook, all in all, I don't know, 150 pounds, something, something like that. Just enough to plug my mic in and, and have a keyboard. Um, you know, you can, this might sound super weird, but you can just download beats and guitar parts from YouTube that are royalty free and just start writing stuff. You can just do that. You're allowed to do that. It's what loads of people do just to start fleshing things out and getting some ideas going. You know what I mean? Like you can just start doing that. And actually to the point of what you were saying then of like, I don't feel good enough. Just change it to, it's so important that I get better. It's so important that I take time to work on my craft. It's so important. So I'm, I'm taking time every day to do. And it is, it really is like, I wouldn't be able to do what I do if like, when I wrote poems, they were basic and you, and they were, you know what I mean? Like, I know that I get opportunities cause I'm good at what I do, you know? And, and so that's why it's important that I don't stay static and I just keep working on it. It's really important that I keep growing and progressing. So, so good. many gems. <laughs> so many, goodness me. Like I'm nice. going to be processing after this. Thank you so much. You ask good questions. <laughs> Good Thanks so much, Josh. So, and uh, in terms of um, what you've got out now and where to direct people to, just give us all the relevant links and things to finish. Yeah, just, I mean, mainly just the Instagram. Instagram's like a new website, isn't it? Just <laughs> Joshua Luke Smith on Instagram. You oh, can kind of TikTok, though. Her TikTok was the thing. Oh, man. I, I've just, have you done it yet? Yeah. No, I've got, a, I've got an account because I like to have my name in it, but that's, that's as far as I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, for now, just Josh Shulik Smith, Instagram, TikTok might be coming. Um, yeah, come connect with me on that. Send me a DM. Let's chat. Brilliant. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so Josh. much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And don't forget to sign up to our mailing list where you'll receive a free 10-day guide especially designed to inspire and equip independent music artists with some really useful, practical and inspirational resources. Sign up at www.iamindependent.co.uk For more great content from I Am Independent, find us on social media at We Are Independent Artists.
You might want to sign up for our next I Am Independent boot camp. The next course starts on July the 2nd.